Good afternoon, friends. Welcome to another grand and glorious day in the best little city in America, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, on a twins-shortened edition of the Patrick Lally Show, where we are going to engage in a little over an hour of energetic and entertaining conversation on local, national, international news and politics. Some uh, We're going to talk about nature. We like talking about nature and, uh, of course, politics and then some nature. Um, yeah, so Uber producer Dan Peters is here. We just, uh, we've just we been waiting out the Twins game. They swept the hated Tigers, the despicable Tigers, the the scum of the earth, Detroit. That, is, that too much? is that too much? Too man. Too you far? just have quite an animus towards the Motor City Kitties. I do, for a lot of good reasons. All of them legitimate, valid uh, reasons. I think. I think out of all the uh, teams in the division, in the uh, American League North or Central or wherever we are, Central, <laughs> Central. <laughs> I got my football and my baseball all mixed up. Uh, I hate the Tigers the most. So even in September, mid-September, when the Tigers are in third place, well behind the Twins. In danger of losing a hundred games, I'm I'm happy about a twin sweep in Detroit. So, but we're here. We're gonna have a good time today and uh, a lot to talk about. Uh, last night, of course, we had the uh, uh, we had the whole uh, public input down there at Club David, and we had a good time as usual playing the uh, city council bingo. Um, it was a little weird. Not a lot of actual public input at the meeting, which makes uh, uh, city council bingo a little tougher because you don't get as many options for uh, bad fashion at the podium, uh, cars and uh, animals on T-shirts, people getting cut off, things of this nature. So, But it was still a a rigorous game of uh, city council bingo. And uh, and we watched most of it. The 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 big events of the evening were, of course, the uh, approval of Jason Reisdorfer as the uh, innovation technology guy, and that was fine. It was a love in. Uh, most of his friends and family were there testifying on his behalf. Except <laughs> it was all fine, except for the guy, his buddy from Brandon, who I thought was going to start talking about drinking beer uh, in the in you know at a tailgate, but he was going on and. And he said, oh, he's taking some criticism for transparency. But, you know, not everything needs to be, you know, out in the open. <laughs> oh, <okay>. hey. <laughs> like, dude from Brandon, sit down. Yeah, you're not from Sioux Falls there, man. No, man. Uh, and so that was kind of funny. I, I, could prob- I couldn't see Jason Reisdorfer during that portion of the program because he wasn't on screen. But I imagine his face was a little tighter there for a minute. Like, dude, no. No, stop talking now. But it was it was fine. And uh, so he's the new innovation and technology guy. We'll see what comes of that because it's a new gig and all that. And then we had uh, we had the budget. Okay. And I want to talk about the budget for a second. And then I want to talk about the school bond vote. Uh, well, we got just a little bit of time here. And uh, so first of all, they passed the budget, which is, you know, big budget, 400 and some million dollars, blah, blah, blah. Uh, biggest in history. Nobody, nobody's going to vote against the budget. We already know that. There are a couple of amendments, and one was uh, hundred grand f- 
for to help uh, funnel some cash into Southeast Area Technical Institute out there, Southeast Technical Institute. Because they want to start a foundation. Yeah, they want to start a foundation to do workforce development, that kind of thing. Uh, so we gave them 100000 Yeah, no problem. And then uh, Pat Starr had a couple of amendments, one for twenty two grand to uh, 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 spr- spruce up the uh, uh, African-American uh, South Dakotans exhibit at the pavilion. That got beat back to about ten grand. <laughs> and then uh, he had he wanted to spend fifty grand on uh, planting trees because of the uh, emerald ash borer. And you know, there's a lot of subtext there, and pr- maybe we don't need it yet, and you know they might need it someday. But that was the longest discussion of the night really were those two amendments. And it struck me as odd that we had, you know, nobody had any problem giving a hundred thousand dollars to Southeast tech an institution that by the way, already is supported by taxpayers by both the state and the school district, but we had to give them a hundred grand. This is what I didn't understand. I was a little weird. And, uh, why does the city of Sioux Falls have to pitch in? Yes, we, we are all in the workforce development business, yada, 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 yada. But this is an educationalist, a public education institution. Why are we giving them money? I don't get that. But I they, guess they, somebody they feels that it is some kind of investment that yeah. will net something for Sioux Falls in return. And it passed eight to nothing. You know, it's not like it was going to lose, but it just struck me as odd. We, they, they, you know, they went around and around and around on the African-American exhibit, which is basically a diorama over at the pavilion. It could be better. And they hardly discussed the 100 G, 100 large out to southeast. So anyway, that was interesting. But what I want to talk about here for a little bit was, uh, uh, and we had a good time and we, we won't be there next week. It's a joint county city thing. And those are boring and they often cancel them. So we aren't going to be there next week. And I, so I think then we'll be back. The week after that. I can't remember if there's council meeting. But we'll be back for the next council meeting whenever that is. And uh, I'll let you know. Follow on Facebook, Northland Productions, for all the details there. Uh, but this bond vote last night. Okay, so uh, it passed. And as, you know, I think we all thought it would pass. Um, uh, I played the foil a bit on KSFY as their political analyst and saying this is what people who might oppose this might think and for why. Uh, uh, and none of that played out. But here's the thing. 85%. Dan, do you remember any election that where the winning side received 85%? Even the GDD didn't get 85% when he went up against Laura Hubble no, in the some, primary. Right, in a primary. 85%? That is Soviet-esque, right? Who gets 85% of anything? The sun could come up and you'd say, mm, is the sun up? And, you know, there might be 30% that would say no. So, I, and it's not that I think that they, they fiddle-faddled with the, with the business there. That's not what I think. What I, although I will say, uh, as Scott Arisman pointed out on his blog uh, and uh, last night, you know who had they had putting the results into the computer? Uh, a couple of school district employees. Doug Morrison, former school board member, now head of some made-up department at the school district. And uh, the finance guy, they're the ones putting the numbers into the computer. Well, that doesn't mean they, the school district really has no business running an election. All right. Just what are they doing? And it, it's evidenced in this, these, these uh, voting centers, the 13 voting centers, which 
there's a convenience factor there for anybody because you can vote anywhere. And I understand that that's kind of cool, right? But as many people pointed out, they were heavily uh, uh, located in the southern half of the city, all right? There were not a lot of voting centers north of, somebody said there were none north of 6th Street. And I, that's pretty close. I think there was a church. One of the churches is at about 13th and Spring or something like that. That's centrally located. But they were really heavy on the south side. It was on its own election. No other issues. This was it. And they got 17% turnout. An 85% victory margin. What that tells me is that this is not a good way to run an election. Because that is not a realistic result. And... To your point about the school district running the election, if memory serves, I do believe the Minnehaha County Auditor's Office did attempt to assist in the election, but they were rebuffed. And they said no. And I just don't get that. You've got, uh, and it's just, do I think that Doug Morrison was fiddling with the numbers? No, I don't think that. But he was sitting at the computer where they put him in. It was on on Jell-O land. Brady the Hair Mallory was pointed it out. He pointed the camera right over there and said, uh, there they are. I think it might have been on Facebook. But he just, there's Doug Morrison and uh, this other dude putting him in the computer. Well, what is that? You can't, you can't do the results on the election of your own that you have a stake in. Come on. Come on now. That's not good. Now, I thought it should pass. I thought it would pass. I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good plan. It's a lot of money, and you can quibble over the money and all that, and that's fine. It's needed. It's a, I'm, I'm very happy. that. It, but 85%? No. No. That just means that the election you conducted maybe is not, I don't want to say it's not credible. It's, 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 it's fine. It's legal. As far as I know, I'm no election official, but 85%. Yeah. And you kind of wonder if that's the case, would they have been able to do this? They couldn't have been able to do this without sending this to the voters. There was no petition. They have to, to, to do a bond. They have to have, they could have passed it. They could have just passed it at the school board and, and done it and see if it got referred, but they chose to go to the voters, which is the right thing to do. Yeah. I mean, all of that was the right thing to do. 85%? I don't think so. Okay, now, West Career Circle, the Career and Tech Academy. Now, that's that's in the northern part of Sioux that Falls. Is, that's, that's up there. That's out you, by Southeast Tech. Yeah, you've got one at the Kennedy Anderson. There's nobody lives around there. Yeah. No, but, well, they do have a lot of school district area north northwest yeah, part yeah, of town. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. Then you've got Kenny Anderson, that's and you've got the uh, United Methodist Church yeah. on East 6th Street. But so that's three. That's three. And then the other one's Sertoma. Valley View. Uh, that one's city. that was near 12th Street. That's yeah. Mary Carr. Yeah. And then Oyate, Gloria Day, Lutheran Church, Faith Baptist Instructional Planning Center. That's kind of in the central. Yeah. Morningside yeah. Community Center. But this is, but, but regardless, thir- I mean, 85%. There's something's not right about that. But, you know, I'm glad it passed. Again, I'm happy, very, very happy that it passed. I think it's a, it's harkens a good era uh, in our city education system. And I love Uh, what they're doing on a lot of different levels. We'll be right back. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. This is a public service announcement with Guitar! 
This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, we're going to chat with Thea Miller-Ryan and Emmett Kaiser from the GF&P about deer, and then Ron Majorak, congressional candidate from the Libertarian Party, will be here. Hang in there. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Four oh six on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand K S O O, and it's Wednesday. And even on this Twins shortened edition of the Patrick Lally Show, we still have our visit from the outdoor campus and our friends with the Game Fishing Parks. And uh, Thea Miller Ryan, of course, executive director of the Outdoor Campus. Thea, thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, and uh, she brings with always brings a friend. And uh, this t- today it's a return visit by our friend Emmett Kaiser, who is the regional supervisor for the Game Fishing Parks. Emmett, thanks for being here. Yeah, you bet, Patrick. Thanks for having us. So uh, here's the deal. So we were talking about this not so long ago, and I've seen this uh, 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 chatter, seen some chatter on the Facebooks about uh, the deer hunting season. And I did not know that uh, the like the bow season opened on way early and so the whole thing is kind of in a different you guys have changed things right and and there's maybe some confusion out in the world uh what are the changes emmett sure maybe just talk about the bow season changes uh you know our our commission and our staff have been well aware that other states actually started their season for archery uh, a little earlier um there have been some uh indications from archers that they wanted to see an earlier start and and uh, so the commission considered that uh, opportunity and uh, they did move the start date uh, forward to september 1st so provide an opportunity for archery hunters to get an early start plus uh, the opportunity to harvest a uh, a velvet antlered buck uh, if possible i so suppose they haven't lost their uh cover the covering on their antlers yet right. well why would you want a velvet you know, it's just a unique trophy. I think uh, it's available in some states, but it wasn't, uh, you know, due, due to the uh, late start of our season, generally the end of uh, September. But um, So yeah. that'll stay, the velvet will stay on the antlers. It, it does. The uh, you have taken. to be kind of careful, you know, when you harvest the deer and, and uh, you can take the taxidermist and, and uh, you know, it depends on the stage of the velvet too, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, for the most part, they can uh, preserve those and, and uh, they make a unique mount. But that's only for uh, bow hunters, right? For archery, right. Archery. So they wanted to be up in those tree stands when it's good and hot. Is that, yeah, that's what they wanted. They wanted uh, to be a sweating. Yeah. And, uh, and to awesome. me, uh, that uh, mosquitoes and the yes. heat, that just t- kind of takes the fun right out of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you can't move, really. No. you got to be very quiet. <laughs> exactly. So when you go to slap the mosquito, it's just kind of a brush off very quietly. <laughs> There's no involved. Yeah, yeah. slow moves. Moves. Oh God, that sounds awful. <laughs> but they, that's what they wanted, right? right. Folks wanted that. Right. That's good. And, uh, you know, I think there've been a, quite a number of people out there. In fact, uh, we had one of the guys in our office go out and harvest a nice mule deer buck out West River. Really nice uh, deer in the velvet. So yeah, it's a neat opportunity, and uh, you know, another another chance for people to get outdoors. Whole state, same time. Yep, yep. Um, East River, West River, both. Uh, you know, for archery, uh, you can get a statewide license or an East or West River. So provides a neat opportunity and so the uh uh th- is the season now longer or do you just slide the ho- the, the whole thing up yep it's just longer uh, okay. so it runs through the end of the year and and uh, you know provides a, l- a few more opportunities for folks to get out and like I say harvest that uh, unique uh, velvet buck if, if uh, chance comes by yeah. so that's a pretty minor change really in the grand scheme of things because Relatively there so, yep. aren't nearly as many bow hunters as there are 
uh, rifle hunters. Right, about thirteen to 15,000, something like that, on an annual basis, residents. So, so the, the, but there are other changes, right? Right. We, uh, the commission actually is uh, considering some pretty major changes to the way that we actually conduct our uh, deer license draws for a major uh, deer seasons. Um, they did make a change. Uh, they were considering lumping um, a number of seasons with the idea that the hope was to provide uh, more licensors or, or to ec more equitably distribute those licenses amongst more people to actually put a license in the hand of more people. Mm -hmm. Currently, we uh, have a system where uh, we draw for individual seasons, like a West River deer application in a season, a drawing East River deer, Black Hills deer, mm -hmm. um, and so forth. Is it sometimes by county by county even, right? Right. We have individual units um, where we actually uh, try try and manage uh, the, the population within those smaller units. And so if you end up with too many uh, does, for instance, you'll the population is growing too much. In a one county, you might have a, a separate uh, license for that county for the does, right? right. Maybe even two, uh, two antlerless yeah. deer on an individual license or a... Or a uh, a two-tag, uh, any deer plus an antlerless license we've had in the past. and uh, But as our, our deer population has shrunk back a little bit, uh, of course, we've reduced numbers and we've reduced antlerless harvest uh, pretty substantially in a lot of the units, too. And it's building back up, but um, with a lack of CRP out there, it's uh, one of those uh, issues where, you know, more CRP would help us increase our deer population more. That's interesting. I don't really think about CRP in relation to deer. Obviously, you think a, a lot in terms of pheasant habitat, grouse habitat, things of this nature, but not right, deer. Right. Uh, but they need the cover just like anybody, right? Exactly. And, and uh, you know, I don't even think our own staff probably at the time when the CRP came to be that we really recognized the importance that it would be to our deer population. And it, it really has become a, a pretty important part of, of uh, our habitat. So uh, what are people, uh, as I said, I've seen some chirping about people being a little upset about the deer tags this year. What are people upset about? I think, uh, you know, the, the change that's being proposed by the commission um, and the idea, again, to, to try and better allocate licenses uh, or preferred licenses, as we call them, to a greater number of folks. And in doing that, uh, the uh, proposal, and again, it's a commission proposal, it's just uh, under consideration at this time, uh, will be finalized in, at the October meeting out in Lead, uh, Deadwood, on October 4th uh, and 5th. But um, the, the whole concept is uh, to conduct and basically pool uh, now, four seasons, the commission did alter the uh, proposal at this last month's meeting. So well, essentially what they would do is combine the East River, West River, Black Hills, and muzzleloader deer seasons into one draw, mm -hmm. and they would alter the deer draw structure, um, and then try and award more uh, individual licenses to a greater number of, pe number of people. Our uh, modeling suggests that uh, through that process we might uh, uh, be able to provide licenses to you know an additional several thousand hunters maybe up to five or six seven thousand hunters but why is that I mean, because people would get a get a tag for each of the seasons they essentially what they would do is they would uh, uh, get have to choose between east river deer west river deer uh, black hills deer and muzzleloader and, and pick their preferred uh, season mm. so they in that first draw they would get uh, hopefully a, a a preferred license in one of those seasons uh, then during the second draw, they, they uh, wouldn't be eligible to get uh, an additional license. Uh, those uh, licenses would become available uh, to others. And in that way, um, more 
in unique individuals would be able to, at least in the first couple of draws, get uh, get licenses. Now there will be, of course, leftover licenses available for residents in that third draw, mm -hmm. um, and and so those licenses would be available, you know, to pick up a, a West River deer uh, if you didn't have a, a West River deer license already in the third draw. So there, there's still some opportunity for individual hunters to have multiple licenses, but it would also provide a greater opportunity for others uh, to uh, have a chance to, to uh, a greater chance at least in the draw process to get a, get a preferred license. We're going to come right back and talk more about the deer hunting season with Emmett Kaiser, who is regional supervisor of the Game Fish and Parks Department. And, you know, we'll also talk to Thea Miller Ryan a little bit too, if that's okay. I'm still you. here. Yeah. yeah, she's still here. <laughs> that's going to be fun. We'll be right back. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Four twenty-one on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO and a little extra from the Trample by Turtles there because it just announced today they're coming back in January. Oh, I'll be talking more about that tomorrow. Guaranteed. But in the meantime, we are here with Thea Miller-Ryan, Executive Director of the Outdoor Campus, and Emmett Kaiser, Regional Supervisor for the Game Fish and Parks. And we're talking about deer hunting. And uh, there's a, a extension of the, the bow season that just is underway and uh, some changes possibly coming for next year. Um, uh, but so, Emmett, we, they moved the, the, the beginning of the deer season up to the beginning of September for, for uh, uh, archery. archery. Now, uh, for the, what does that mean for the rifle season? No changes for rifle uh, season this year. Traditional dates uh, will apply and, and uh, you know, the... Uh, it's pretty rare where we all actually alter the the dates. So we've had a pretty long-standing tradition in terms of the dates for East River, West River deer, Black Hills deer, and so forth. And when is it? When's deer season open? Um, usually the uh, Black Hill season opens November first, traditional uh, time period. And of course, East River deer is uh, usually the third weekend in November. And well, West you want River it to be good second, and cold, so. right? Yeah, and of course, you know the uh, the rut. You kind of look for to have the rut on and. Your chances of bagging a buck go up, you know, if the, the bucks are in rut, they're a little less wily. It's interesting because uh, um, we have, the, like, this love-hate relationship with, with the deer, the white tail, particularly over here, yep. where, I mean, they're crawling all over town. <laughs> they are. And some people, you know, they, get, they hit them with your car, even outside of town, and everybody, like, wants them gone. But at the same time, if, uh, if, if people want to go deer hunting, uh, there need to be a lot of deer, Right. And right. so it's kind of a paradox there that, it, it, you know, when you hit one, you hate them. And when you shoot one, you like them, right? <laughs> exactly. And, uh, you know, there's lots of people in town, too, enjoy seeing deer. And it's mm -hmm. just that when they, uh, they get feed too them. many of them and, and uh, yeah, they come into their yard or they bother their neighbor's plants and flowers and shrubs and so forth. So, yeah, it's a, it's a love-hate relationship. Yeah. Um, so the, with the future of the deer hunting in South Dakota, you say numbers are down. Uh what does it look like for the foreseeable future? You got some proposed changes coming to the system, trying to get more people involved. But what is the prospects for deer hunting in the near term? You know, actually, our uh, our population numbers have increased uh, slightly over the last few years, and uh, we had a, a real challenge with EHD, epizootic hemorrhagic disease. We lost a number of deer in in a lot of the East River counties. Uh, is that the blue tongue? Yep. Okay. Yep. It's that uh, that class of uh, of diseases, but. Um, 
Yeah, the uh, the population has been growing, and and we purposely you know had reduced tag numbers at that time, and and but it is increasing, and uh, you know the key for us long term is of course to try and have some some good deer habitat, and of course that uh, that farm bill is really critical to providing not only deer habitat but uh, the CRP mm -hmm. the conservation programs that uh, afford good habitat for pheasants and waterfowl, and but uh, deer yeah. are key as well. If people want details on these proposed changes to the licensing, where do they go? Our Game Fishing Parks website has uh, a lot of the details, and of course they can read about the changes the commission made uh, to this proposal at their last meeting, and uh, again, find information. There's a Q&A uh, uh, informational uh, uh, page. Uh, we just sent out a, a, a statewide announcement uh, today uh, that'll go out to everybody, and, and uh, they'll see uh, some of the information and the changes to the proposal. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the proposal uh, doesn't change, uh, you know, the non-resident deer allocations. No, actually, fewer non-residents will be eligible probably to uh, uh, have access to some of the leftover licenses. But, um, you know, they're, uh, the uh, commission is real cognizant that uh, this is a big issue for people, and they're really uh, questioning. In fact, they uh, took an additional month to uh, gather public comments on this whole issue. We'd gone out previously and, and met with uh, nine different groups across the state just to share information and to get feedback. And and uh, the, the whole genesis of this uh, concept to change came about uh, as a result of some surveys that we conducted back in 2010 and 2014. And then also we had a, uh, a group of citizens that uh, helped us formulate our deer management plan and ask us to look at some of these social uh, deer license allocation mm -hmm. processes. So. Interesting. Uh, and Thea, uh, just to get you involved in this conversation. <laughs> Thanks. Um, uh, uh, they still taste good, right? They taste great, <laughs> yes. You can cook them up a lot of different ways. That's always my con my conversation with Thea is how they taste. <laughs> what was it last week? You were telling me something else tasted good. Oh, gosh. What were we talking about? Lion. Pheasants. Lion. lion mountain lion. Yeah, mountain lion. it does yeah. taste good. Mmm, mountain lion. Kitty. <laughs> oh, come on now. That's uh, that's a disturbing image for anybody. Um <laughs> But uh, so we'll be watching those changes if you're interested in deer hunting, uh, which many, many people are, and uh, with the coming seasons, lots of stuff going on, and we'll have our friends from the GFNP back to chat about those issues. Emmett Kaiser, he's regional supervisor for the GFNP. Thanks for being here, Emmett. I really appreciate you it. Bet. Great to be here, Patrick. Thanks for having us. And always, Thea Miller-Ryan, Executive Director of the Outdoor Campus. We'll see you next week, right? Good to see you on Wednesdays. That's awesome. We're coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters. We are going to chat with Ron Wojorek. He is the Libertarian candidate for the U.S. House of Representatives from South Dakota, and we'll have a nice conversation there. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. 434 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. And we have in studio with us today Ron Wojorek. He is the Libertarian candidate for the U.S. House of Representatives in South Dakota, of which we have one seat. And so Ron is running for the single seat. Uh, Mr. Wojorek, thanks for being here, buddy. Well, thank you, Patrick. I uh, certainly appreciate the opportunity. Uh, you are, uh, you've been, you've ran for office many times, right? Several I mean, times. Do you have, do you know how many times it is? Uh, I think it's actually four and uh primarily back in the 90s and i think once after 2000 and you've uh not really come close to winning so why do you keep doing it why do you keep entering the public arena mr wojarek well i i think this country was basically based on principles and ideas it wasn't ma based on political parties and and uh you know eccentric uh uh 
egos and uh, 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 ego uh, uh, partisanship. Uh, I, I mean, uh, we, we've got to stick with the, with the principles and the ideas that built this country, and that's what I've stuck with all along. Basically, my program is still the program I, I was running with in the first time. I mean, I'm totally against uh, this NAFTA program. Uh, if you look at the results of 25 years of, of, of NAFTA starting in January of 94, I mean, it's basically taken this nation, Mexico, and, and, and to ruin. Look, look what GAD has done to Europe. Let me ask you about NAFTA, because uh, most folks that you talk to in the agriculture industry, and you're in Europe, a farmer rancher, have been your whole life, right? Right. And uh, if you talk to the folks in that in that business, generally speaking, NAFTA has been good for particularly for grain exporters. Uh, do you not see that that way? I don't. I don't think NAFTA has been good for anybody. I mean, it doesn't really make sense to export three bushels of, of, of corn at a loss when, when you could export one at a profit. Why, are you, why do you think it's exporting three at a loss? Explain that to me. Well, prices, were, prices had been high for uh, a good stretch until recently. Well, for a short period of time, when Russia was in a collapse and, and, and uh, China was starting to come out of a, out of a uh, you know, what do I want to say? A, 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 a depression, building a new total pro, uh, paradigm based on uh, uh, um, the American system policies of state-created credits directed into specific mm-hmm. areas of the economy. Look at their booming economy, and looks what happened to the United States. We're drowning in debt. So, uh, in China is not drowning in debt. In fact, they own most of our debt, or a lot of our debt. Um, but it is it is a, a state driven economy with market forces with a huge spending on infrastructure in the last decade at least right right and so you are you saying that that you think china has benefited from that state control that doesn't seem to be very libertarian well am i misunderstanding you? definitely i'm not a libertarian uh, anything goes is not anything I, I i would stand for i mean this nation was built on reason so you're Again, an independent you're an independent. I'm an independent, okay. correct. Uh, I, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I don't think we need any more Democrats or uh, Republicans in Washington. We need a few Americans up there. Uh, even George Washington in his farewell speech made a statement about the two-party system mm-hmm. would be the downfall of the nation. And, and, factionalism and, was a great fear of the founders, that this, this notion of factionalism, which translates to political party, that there would be these established parties. They did not like that idea. Yeah, and, and I think that's the enemy. I, you know, if we really look at who our true enemy is, it, 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 it's always the British Empire. I mean, if you don't address the, the fight of, of the, uh, between the empire system and the Republican system, uh, uh, you know, this, county, this country is, was founded as a republic. If you remember what uh, uh, Benjamin Franklin said when, he asked, uh, when a lady asked him what kind of a, uh, a, a, a uh, government had we been given, and he said, well, I've given you a republic if you can— you know, keep it. Mm-hmm. And this guy, he's talking to Ben, he's talking to a, le- a woman that could not even vote. So why would he be talking to a woman other than she had to create, it was her duty to create the mental policy, the, uh, the quality people, the, the, the kind of people that was necessary to maintain a republic. Mm-hmm. Uh, d- just voting without, uh, uh, you know, having uh, the proper reason uh, is, is uh, popular opinion is, is often wrong. 
so well, I'm, that, I'm not a person that submits to popular opinion you know, people, uh, based on thinking and reason. The, 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 uh, uh, the founders also were very concerned about the passion of the masses. Uh, but let's go back to trade for just a second. So um, in terms of the tariffs that President Trump has been instigate, instituting uh, against China and uh, some of the in steel and, and aluminum importers, what are your thoughts on tariffs? Do you think that they're a, a good idea in terms of supporting American trade? Well, this country was built on tariffs and duties. I mean, uh, it, it wasn't built on a free trade system. Uh, even Lincoln had 50% tariffs to, to, to help finance a war and build a, a transcontinental railroad system and start the Homestead Act. I, I mean, tariffs are, are something that's needed to protect the, pro, the, the farmers' prices. But the, uh, a lot of the people, again, in the, in the agriculture industry don't like these tariffs because China is uh, one of our biggest customers for soybeans. So is that, is, is, how is uh, tariffing our biggest customer good for the American farmer? Well, let, let me answer that by saying if you buy a pair of shoes from China at $40 and you put a $10 tariff on it, who gets the $10? But the American government. It's a way of putting money into the government without a debt. And, and well, when if you buy, buy and, our soybeans, we won't be able just to buy a minute, the shoes. Just a minute. When you buy the next pair of shoes, China is still getting $40. So how did you hurt China? I mean, it can get out of hand. I can see we're, we're not using tariffs to protect the, 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 uh, the, uh, a parity price for your farmers or a parity labor price would be detrimental. And, and when you're out to punish somebody for, for using a tariff, that's wrong. What we need is to get a sense of morality back in our government. This predatory capitalism that is destroying this country has to be reined in with some sense of morality. We're going to come right back and talk more with Ron Wojorek. He is an <coughs> independent candidate for the U.S. House of Representatives from the state of South Dakota. We'll be right back. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Today. 445 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO, and we are chatting with independent candidate for, I said libertarian earlier, I misspoke, that was my bad. My bad, Ron Majora. I forgive you. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. As you, as you said off the air, people all, all uh, often think that you're a libertarian. Isn't that? It's kind of a strange thing, isn't it? Well, in, in a way, yeah, I can I can't understand why. But anyway, uh, you, to me, uh, you know, if you want to be a moral man, you can't believe in anything goes. I mean, you got you got to go by a set of principles and laws and. Uh, of course, I, you know, people are not always what they claim to be, and most libertarians are not really libertarians. They believe in some form of law and form of government. So, and you are a uh, a Lyndon Larouche uh, a backer. You 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 are you agree with his principles to some degree? Yeah, definitely. They're ba- they're based on Hamiltonian economics. They're based on uh, what built this country with state created credits, a national banking system, building major infrastructure. Every great president that we've ever had from John Quincy Adams to uh, Abraham Lincoln to uh, Garfield McKinley. Uh, 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 let's see who else was this uh, and Lincoln I mean th- these guys were all great Republicans that believed in what I believe in and they were all assassinated for what they believe in then you had FDR and John F. Kennedy and even Eisenhower though all three of those guys w- uh, have the same principles I'm talking about today I don't know what happened to the, uh, uh, um, 
Peter Norbeck here in South Dakota mm-hmm. is my peer. I mean, this guy today, they would call him a socialist or, or even something worse than that. But he, to me, he was the greatest uh, governor South Dakota ever had. He'd done more for building infrastructure, uh, the, the Rushmore uh, a Monument, and, and uh, you know, cement plant. Uh, Custer State Park. Yeah, yep. uh, yeah you, you name what this guy has done for South Dakota, but it was built based on, and he even created a state bank here in South Dakota that a, a couple, three crooks uh, bankrupt in 1925 and 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 um uh Four years after we create, he created the bank here in South Dakota. North Dakota, North Dakota created one. They're still running their bank. I mean, they're doing a, a, a lot of good things with that bank up there. Banking should be looked at more as a public utility than, a, a, you know, hiring a bunch of guys or not even hiring a bunch of guys, but letting a, a bunch of guys run the Federal Reserve and determine the amount of money and who's going to get the money and, and, and uh, the amount of money. That, that should never be the, the – if you're a constitutionalist, you go by the Constitution. Congress has the right to determine the value of our currencies and so so let me ask you this it's how do you align then uh with uh president trump do you find yourself uh, agreeing with him disagreeing with him where do you put yourself in relation to the president? well actually i, I t- to be honest with you i didn't vote for the man but uh, i think he's done some very outstanding things the last two weeks of his campaign he he brought up that glass steagall needs to be put on back back on the books to uh, separate the uh, uh, investment bankers from the commercial bankers. But didn't you, did you agree then with the, yes, that was, it seems to me that that was a huge mistake to allow the integration. That's what in many ways led to the Great Recession. However, are you a fan then of the regulation to the economy, the Dodd-Frank Act and things of this nature that have been done in the wake of the recession? No, no, there's too many loopholes in that. I mean, when you when you look at the uh, the uh, Glass-Steagall Act, that was a 37-page bill that was put in into effect by FDR and a good Republican from South Dakota called Peter Norbeck. After the, cra- after after the, the crash. Crisis. After the crash, yeah. and it was on the books till 2000, till, till the Republicans and the Democrats took it off the yeah. books. I mean, this 37-page bill turned into what you were referring to there as the Dodd-Frank bill with 37, 39,000 pages. Nobody ever read the damn thing, and they all voted on it, and they still don't know what it's all about. I mean, why, why baffle people with BS when you can simply do something? So you don't think, but in large measure, the, the philosophies of the Dodd-Frank Act were, I don't want to say, they weren't going back to the Glass-Steagall Act, but it was this notion of not allowing this amalgamation of financial services, right? And well, the creation well, of these weird it, financial products... It was sold to the American people uh, as that, but look, look, look well, who— You don't think that it, it did that? No, look who, who, who was drawing it up. I mean, it, it was the crooks that should have been put in jail if Glass-Steagall had been on the books, and these guys, what they do? They, uh, unlike, unlike what Norbeck done by throwing people in jail, Tim Johnson, who was the, had the same position as, as uh, Senate Banking Commissioner, mm-hmm. uh, basically gave him, bailed him out to the tune of trillions of dollars and, and gave him a pat on the back. What kind of insanity is that? You call that— uh, uh, a free trade. I mean, if that's free trade, let's get rid of it. Do you think that? Do you think that that, in fact, even though you don't necessarily agree with how they did it, did it in fact save the economy? No, it didn't save the economy. Actually, right now we're 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 in a speculative bubble that is bigger than it was in two thousand and eight and nine. It could explain. blow out this month or next month even. There's, I, I there's mean, a lot if of we, people. We let me ask you about that though. Okay, okay, because there are a lot of people that are concerned about the 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 student debt bubble. Okay, that there is still a huge uh, uh, financial crisis in the making. 
right? And that the stock market has uh, inflated the uh, idea of what our wealth is, right? And right. that that it's still, again, built on something that's not real. So when you say that there's a speculative bubble coming, what do you think the bubble is? What's the trigger to the financial problem that you see? The, bu- the bubble is ins- the, the insanity of sec- uh, accepting uh, British free trade, taking us off the Bretton Woods system in 1971 and putting our currencies on free fro- float. Open the off door. Off the gold standard. No, 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 no. Gold standards got basically, well, I guess you could call it, but you, we don't need money back with gold. Money needs to be back with the productivity and the creativity of the individuals in the country that it represents. And right now it's backed by an arbitrary uh, uh, scale set by the Fed. No, it's, it's ba- said, ba- I mean, uh, we don't have, money doesn't really mean anything if you don't have faith in it. Yeah, well, uh, in essence, that's right. But the only thing that's backing our dollar is uh, 57% of our budget goes to the military. And we're forcing our will on the rest of the world, which is not something that I'm very proud of. Uh, after 28 years of, of, of war in, in, in Iraq and Afghanistan and uh, uh, I, I mean, uh, the trillions of dollars that we've spent there, and now they're talking about $21 trillion that they don't know what, where the military put it. I mean, what kind of a lunacy and insanity is that? Is that what you call free trade, too? I certainly think we need regulations and rules, and we need some responsible people in Congress, and we need responsible people out here in the public that get themselves educated if we want to maintain a republic and take it back. I think Trump's opening the door with, with uh, the proper moves. Uh, uh, with uh, good, In terms good, of what? Some, what do you like uh, about Trump policies? You don't necessarily uh, – you like the trade policies, Yes. You well, like the I, re- renegotiation of the trade policies? You, uh, you can't lay down a formula that's going to solve this problem. Again, you have to have people that have developed the ability to reason, understand the principles that this country was built on. But, but you said you like some of the things he's done. What, yeah, uh, what I do. do you like about what he has done? Or well, is doing? I, I like his idea of getting along with uh, you know, Russia and China. Why would we want to have an enemy like Russia? I mean, they don't want to be our enemy. They want to be our friends. I mean, he's opened the door there. He's got his peace in, in Korea after 68 years of insanity. I well, mean, we, had, we had peace in Korea. We had I mean, peace in Korea at the end of a gun barrel. Th- but yeah, well, you, still, you can call that but, peace but that if you want changed. to. I don't. That has not changed because of Donald Trump. That, that, that system, that, that piece at the end of the gun barrel is exactly the same today as it was when Donald Trump went into office. I disagree. And it has been that way for 50 I, I years. I Nothing disagree. has changed no, on the no, DMZ. No, The piece that, the, 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 the agreement that they've just signed, and in the last two days they had their arms around each other, North Korea and South Korea, it opened the door for major infrastructure across North Korea into South Korea, no, Korea from China. That puts people to work so they don't have to argue and fight. What, 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 what the ha- peace is still maintained by at the end of a gun. No, don't you? no, it's not, never. Look at China. China has got one military base outside the country. We got well, 800. I'm not talking about China. I'm talking about, I'm talking about Korea. Well, I'm talking about China because yeah. China is the one that's opening the door with major yeah. infrastructure and, and, and this Bretton Woods system that will bring peace to the world. This is, this is what we used to do when, when we were uh, uh, moving. After World War II, we rebuilt all of Europe and, and, and Japan, and they become good trading partners with us. It didn't cost us a penny. We made profit. What if we'd done that for Africa? What if we'd done that for Mexico, Central America, and South America? Uh, yeah, we'd no, we'd, we'd have two billion people with money in their pocket rather than handing their and, and, and using a gun to get peace. Ron, we got to go. 
We got to go. But I appreciate you. Ron Wojorek, he's an independent candidate for U.S. House of Representatives from South Dakota. Thank you very much. And I'm sure we'll talk to you again before November. Okay, Pat, Patrick, I appreciate the opportunity. You ask some good questions. I try. It's y- fun. It's fun. Yeah. We'll yeah. Be- I love it. Thanks a lot, Ron. We'll be right back. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Four fifty-eight on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO coming up on the show tomorrow. City Councilor Kurt Soul will be here. The smart cyclist for weird friends. My last show of the week because I'm not here Friday. Hopefully you'll be with us tomorrow. We're gonna have fun, just like we had fun today. We always have fun. See you tomorrow. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO.